Right, so as we said, we're starting a new series today of talks for the next few Sundays. And we're looking at selected psalms. And appropriately enough, we're beginning with Psalm 1 today. And it's a really good introduction for our series because Psalm 1, when we read it, it we'll see that um, it reads like an all-encompassing general piece of wisdom for God's people. And it seems like it's been placed at the beginning of the collection of Psalms for a reason. Um, it's almost like it's a, a preface of what's to come. And uh, it, the first few verses read like an invitation. It's an invitation for us who, who read it to come and meditate on who God is and, and God's things. Um, and as we begin our study, we'll, we can take that invitation straight away and apply it to ourselves. Um, so we'll, we'll begin by just reading the full psalm and then we'll uh, say some more things on that. So psalm, psalm 1 and beginning at verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So straight away we can see, can't we, in in those first few verses that um, the writer of the psalm is is painting a picture of what it means to be blessed and what, uh, what the habits are of someone who's blessed. And from, uh, from reading in preparation for this, the, the word apparently, the word for blessed, it's, um, it's not just someone who's happy, but it's someone who's the envy of those around. So it's someone who, who we wish we were like, if, if you like. Um, so it's, it's straight away, it's almost an advert for, um, for those of us who are, who are looking to, to follow Christ and to, to do what God wants us to do. It's an advert for us to, to want to be in God's word. It's saying if, if, you, if you do these things, if you avoid walking in step with the wicked, if you avoid standing in the way of sinners, if you avoid sitting in the company of mockers and instead delight in the law of the Lord, then you'll be, you'll be called blessed. You'll be the envy of those um, around you. So the question is, is straight away, do we want to be that kind of person? Do we want to be the person who yields fruit? Do we want to be someone who does not wither? Do we want to be someone who prospers in whatever they do? Sounds good, doesn't it? So it's something for us to consider straight away. Do we view the word of God in that way? Do we view it as something that's appetizing? It's almost as though the psalmist is saying, come and read the word of God, it's good for you. Um, It's in your interest and it will bring about good things in your life. So straight away as we start our new series and our talk today, there's something that we can be challenging ourselves on. Um, Do we always approach our times of reading of God's word with this mindset and expectation that God will give us something good. So that's the, the, the welcome or the invitation to, to be in the book of Psalms and to be delighting in God's word. What else can we see about this psalm? Well, it's, it's in two parts. We, we start with, blessed is the one who, and then the second part is, is not so the wicked. So blessed is the one, not so the wicked. Um, so we have this blessed versus not blessed 
two halves of the, of the sum. So it's clear then that these things are opposites. Because as we've read it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. It's telling us clearly that there's no overlap. There's no, there's no way in which we can have a bit of both. If we want to be blessed, we're not to walk in step with the wicked. And it goes on to say in verse 5, it says, uh, Sinners will not stand in the assembly of the righteous. And again, it's just a, a reminder to us that these things are in total opposite directions. Um, the way of sin and the way of righteousness are, are going in opposite directions. So we have the two halves of the psalm there, the righteous and the wicked. And then um, we see also that the psalm has instructions for us. If we want to count ourselves among the blessed and not among the wicked, then there are things that we should do and there are things we shouldn't do. So the things we shouldn't do, it starts with, as we've read. Um, as we read in verse 1, it says, Do not walk in step with the wicked. Do not stand in the way that sinners take. And do not sit in the company of mockers. It's interesting to, to realise that these aren't three separate things for us to avoid. It's not like there's three different things we can do here that, that we're supposed to avoid all three of them. But rather it's, it's a progression. It goes from walking to standing to sitting. And it's really, uh, it's really useful for us to look at it in that way. Um, so what does it mean for us to, to walk in step with the wicked? Well, we know, don't we, living in this world and um, interacting with people around us who perhaps aren't Christians, we know how easy it is to be swept along with the current of those around us. And the psalmist is telling us that this is the first step in this, in this progression away from righteousness. Um, the psalmist says, if we're walking in step with the wicked, it's, it's getting swept up and, and, and going along with the things that we know to be against God. Or not the things that God wants. So there are things that the world does. And we can all think of examples. Things that the world does that they don't even blink at. Or perhaps the world even actively encourages certain practices or certain activities. And we know as Christians that they're things that God has told us to avoid. And it's something, as we often say, it's easy to say but difficult to do. Um, very easy for us to just turn a blind eye to things or perhaps not even to realise that something we're getting caught up in is against what God wants us to do. Um, so what can, we, what can we do in response to that? Well, the verse in Ephesians 4 and verse 27 tells us not to give the devil a foothold. And that's a really good way for us to think of it. Um, perhaps when we, we're, we're in two minds about whether to do something, whether to go along with something that those around us are doing, it's just something for us to think. Are we, are we giving the devil a foothold here? Are we opening the door for um, something that's sinful or something that's away from God? So don't, don't, don't give the devil a foothold and don't walk in step with the wicked. So next it says, or stand in the way that sinners take. So the metaphor, if we continue this idea of, of walking, standing and sitting, takes us to that, that place of standing and it says... Um, it's saying really that we've walked away from God, as we read in the verse before. Um, we've walked away from God to a place of sin, and then uh, we've stood still. So what does that mean? Well, perhaps it means that we found ourselves in, in a place of, um, of, of doing something that we know that is, is wrong in God's eyes, and rather than fleeing from it, 
rather than um, just getting out of that situation as quickly as possible. Perhaps we've chosen just to, to linger for a moment. Perhaps we've chosen to, to, um, to consider the sin or even to revel in the sin. Um, and the, the psalmist is warning us this is the second stage of a, a progression away from God. 2 Timothy 2 and 22 gives us uh, a good antidote to that. It says, flee from youthful passions. So that's really for us to, to apply to this and, and to think, well, don't stand still. If we find ourselves um, caught up with those around us who are doing th- something that's against God, we're not to stand still. We're not to dwell on it or consider it even for a moment. But the word there is, is to flee from youthful passions. Looking at a couple of examples, um, we can think of the example of Lot's wife in Genesis. They were fleeing from the city of Sodom, which God had told them was going to be destroyed. Um, and Lot and all his family were, were running from that city. But we read that it says Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Um, we don't know exactly what the, the circumstances were. We don't know if she merely glanced back. It's more likely that she, she stopped and turned and, and there was a sense of longing for that which she was leaving behind. Um, we can wonder, perhaps she longed for her former life that she was now running from. Perhaps she looked back at the, the life in the, sin, the sinful city of Sodom and thought, well, this is my life. This is, this is not something I want to turn my back on. And that's, that's perhaps what it means to stand still, to stand in the way that sinners take, is to, to consider the, the sinful things that we used to do, the sinful things that we've turned from when we become Christians, and to wonder about them and to perhaps um, revel in them. Uh, another example where uh, somebody did the right thing in this situation, we read uh, the story of Joseph. We read how he was uh, in Egypt and we read that he was enticed by Potiphar's wife. Um, so what did Joseph do? Did he stand still? Did he, did he linger and consider the, the, the sin? We read that he fled. He got out of the situation as soon as he could. Perhaps when we think of that in our mind's eye, um, perhaps it wasn't a very sophisticated um, scamper away from the situation. Perhaps it was even a little embarrassing for Joseph to flee from the situation in that way. But we read that that's what he did. And we know that Joseph would have been concerned with getting out of that situation as quickly as possible. And that's the, the invitation for us. If we find ourselves stood still um, in a sinful situation, we're to flee and to, to follow the example of Joseph there. And then as for us as Christians, we can apply the verse in 1 John 2 and verse 1, which tells us to confess our sins and to repent. And as we know, the, the word repent means to turn away. It's a, it's a 180 degree turn away from sin. So we're, we're to, to confess our sin to God, we're to repent and we're to flee from that, that sin. So blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, does not stand in the way that sinners take. And then the third step is to sit in the company of mockers. So in our three stage progression, it's the final stage, isn't it, to sit. It means to count ourselves among the wicked. And that word mockers, it means that we're, we're mocking that which we used to believe in. So having walked in step with the wicked and then having stood still in sin to revel in it, the final stage is to sit. And it's a deliberate decision to settle ourselves in a certain 
place or a certain way of life, a certain mindset. Just like the tree spoken about later in the psalm, we can choose to put our roots down um, in one place or another, can't we? We can choose to root ourselves in God's word or we can choose to root ourselves in a sinful life or or the, the things of the world. And to do this is more than just being swept up with those around us, which, as we've said, is so easy to do. It's more than uh, lingering in sin rather than fleeing from it. It's now to say that we're planting ourselves in this way of life. And the sense here is that we're, we're stuck in this way of life. We know that if we, um, if we stay in, in a pattern of behaviour long enough, it's very difficult for us to change it, isn't it? We get stuck in habits, we get stuck in, in ways of thinking and, and acting. So that the sense here of, of sitting in the company of mockers is to have planted ourselves in that, um, that way of life. So when this happens, for us as Christians, we can perhaps even become unrecognisable as those who follow Christ. And those who look on our lives would perhaps count us even among the wicked, or at least the mockers, rather than among the righteous. So if we want to be counted among the blessed, as the, the psalm talks about, we're to avoid walking in step with the wicked and standing in the way that sinners take and to avoid sitting in the company of mockers and planting ourselves in that way of life. So really the, the summary of that, of that section is um, we can't expect to dabble in sin and also get the blessing that comes from, from righteousness. Um, again, two different ways of life, two opposite directions. So we've looked at the, the progression in the, in the first few verses. That's the, the negatives, if you like. Do not do this, do not do that. But then when we look at verse 2, it says, um, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Then if we follow on the, the, the verse, um, we have this new metaphor of being like a tree. Verse 3 says that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Um, There's actually two metaphors in this psalm. There's being like a tree and being like chaff, which we see in verse 4. And again, these these two things are are contrasted as as opposites to each other. So what does it mean to be like a tree? Well, uh, Steve touched on it in his talk on Tuesday. He talked about um, how difficult it is to uproot a tree once it's got its roots into the ground. Um, So we know, don't we, that a tree is something that holds fast, it's it's unmovable. Um, For us, we can can apply it to ourselves and we can say, well, if we're like a tree or we're like the chaff, one of those things holds fast and one of them is blown away by the breeze. So it's about being rooted as opposed to being, um, being blown around and being easily moved. So let's just look at that metaphor of the, of the tree and what it means for us to be like a tree planted by streams of water. So, first of all, starting with that, it's planted by streams of water, it says. Um, the verse above says that, um, uh, it says, blessed is he who, who meditates on God's law day and night. And this has to be what it means for, um, for it to be planted by streams of water. It's saying that the water, or our life source, in another, another way of saying it, is to be God's law. In John 4 and verse 14, Jesus speaks of, of a living water. And he's talking to the woman at the well and he says, um, The water I give, it will become a spring of water 
welling up to eternal life. And this is what it means um, in, in this instance too, I think, when it says, uh, planted by streams of water. It's basically saying, um, we're to consider what we rely on. Um, what do we consider our life source? Is it the things of the world, which, as we know, are, are temporary and ultimately won't satisfy us? Or is it the things of God? We as humans were created to know and worship God, and it's only that which can truly satisfy. And so when we trust in Jesus, rather than the things of the world, we receive that living water that Jesus spoke of. And that's what, what it means here, I think, as well, to be planted by streams of water. It's to rely on God's things for our, our life source. So the tree planted by streams of water, it says it yields its fruit in season. So what does that, what does that mean for us? Well, as we know, when we plant a tree, we don't get fruit on day one, do we? It doesn't just suddenly pop out of the tree. But rather, it's, it goes through a period of growth. And in time, one, when the tree's been nurtured by the living water, it will bear fruit. And the example is for us to be, uh, it's a call for us to be diligent and consistent in reading God's word and putting it into practice. Um, the, the, the children's song says, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Very, very simple, but it's absolutely true, isn't it? It's, the, it's what we need to be doing if we want to be um, growing and, and fruitful for God. I remember David King speaking a, a while ago on, on the subject of, of reading your Bible and being diligent with it. And he made the point that um, you can't really stand still. You're either growing or you're withering. You're either going forward or, or you're going backwards. And it, it's, it's true, isn't it? A tree never, it, if it stops growing, a tree withers. It doesn't just continue in the state that it's in. It's either growing, getting bigger, getting more fruitful, or it's withering and dying. And it's just a, a reminder for us that we need to be in God's word and we need to be consistent with it and we need to be relying on it um, to produce fruit within us. <clears throat> so we yield our fruit in season when we've, experience that growth that comes from God's word will be fruitful for him and will be useful for God. It says, um, <clears throat> next says, the person who's like a tree, um, their leaf does not wither. It reminded me of the, the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, uh, when Jesus says that some seed falls on the path and it falls in shallow soil. And he says that the seed that falls in this, this soil, it springs up quickly but then it's scorched by the sun and it doesn't last. So we're not to be like that, are we? We're not to, to be like a tree whose leaf withers, but rather um, the one who feeds on the word of God day and night, as it says in this, this psalm, um, will have deep roots and will not wither away. So a, a practical way for us to, to apply that is to consider the advice in Hebrews 12, one to two and it says let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith so again another reminder that we're not to be um, stagnant we're not to neglect looking to jesus we're not to neglect the word of god but we're to fix our eyes on him and to run with perseverance so again it's about consistency and about relying on god rather than the things of the world so that's the, the tree metaphor in Psalm 1. Um, planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Then it says, whatever they do, prospers. 
we could perhaps be tempted to apply that to a, a material sense, couldn't we? Um, we could think, well, if we do all these things, does that mean we're going to be um, rich and, and have everything we want in, in this physical world? But um, I think it's clear from the context that the things that are being talked about are spiritual things, things of God rather than things of the world. So it's not to say that we're guaranteed financial or material prosperity from meditating on the word of God. But it does mean that we're to, we'll be productive, healthy Christians who are fruitful and equipped to serve God properly. So that's the, the tree metaphor there for us as, as Christians. It's a template for us to, to aspire to, isn't it? Um, to, to meditate on God's word and to be fruitful and, and useful for God. So then we move on to the, the other metaphor, as we mentioned. Um, it says in verse 4, Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. I'm not sure what chaff is it's the the outer part of a seed or um, a berry or something that's that's basically useless it's something that's thrown away and is um, is of no value um, so to, to to say that the wicked are like chaff what does that mean well the chaff is is easily blown away as it says the wind blows it away so it's not rooted like the tree it's not rooted in anything reliable or steadfast but rather, it's, it's, it's simply blown away when, when the wind comes. Um, it reminded me of Ephesians 4 and 14, which warns us against being blown in here and there by every wind of teaching. So we're not to be like the chap in that sense. We're to be, again, rooted in God's word, not vulnerable to the things of the world, which might say, have you considered this? Uh, or what about this line of thinking, which might take us away from God? But rather, we're to be rooted and steadfast and not easily blown away we know also that the chaff is of no value it's not fruitful like the tree it's not something that is is valued by by people but it's it's simply thrown away Um, there's a verse in in 1 corinthians 3 which helps us with this as well i haven't noted it down so i'll have to turn it up (laughs) One Corinthians three and verse twelve. It says, "If anyone builds on this foundation, that's Jesus, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work." So that's speaking to a future day when we'll we'll stand before God, and God will look at our works from this life. And you will see if there's anything of any value. The things which are uh, just temporary things, perhaps things we just do to, to pass the time or for our own enjoyment and have no value to God, it says they'll be consumed by the fire. And perhaps we can think of those things as the chaff of, of Psalm 1, the things which perhaps are not even necessarily bad in themselves, not necessarily um, a direct um, disobe- disobedience of what God has said, but they're of no value. They're things which will be swept away or, or consumed in the final day. So we're, we're not to focus on those things. It's a reminder that those things will, will one day cease to exist and will be of no value to God. So rather we're to pursue the things which are fruitful and, um, and worthwhile as Christians. So we're not to be like the chaff. We're to be like the tree planted by streams of water. 
Finally, then, what, what does it mean um, in verses 5 and 6 where it says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Um, I think so far in, in the, the, the first four verses, we've been considering uh, a lifestyle or two different lifestyles. One which is fruitful and profitable and one which is not. But I think... Um, in verse 5, it's, it's to do with the, the last day, the, the day of judgment. And again, as just as we've had two opposites all the way through, we've had the, the righteous and the wicked, we've had the tree and the chaff. Again, it's saying here that God will separate these two groups. And again, there won't be any overlap. There'll be the righteous and there'll be the wicked. I think in day-to-day life, we tend to consider ourselves as a bit of both, don't we? Even though we're, we're Christians and we know that we're saved, um, by faith in Jesus, we can still see good bits and bad bits in ourselves. And this is a narrative that the world around us definitely will push. And the general consensus, if you talk to people um, who are not Christians, is that while all of us have done things wrong, there's a general um, feeling, I think, that on balance God will see that we're decent people. Perhaps even we're better than him or we're better than her. And it seems that there's a general feeling that God will just give us a pardon because God will see that we, we tried our best or you know, we, did, we did this good thing or that good thing and God will, will just kind of brush away the, the bad and give us a pardon. But we know differently as believers, don't we? We know that um, the Bible gives us a bit more than that to go on. It's not a simple um, shrugging up the shoulders thinking maybe God will, will overlook the things I've done wrong. We, we have a bit more to go on. And we know that as far as the judgment is concerned, um, either we're righteous enough to stand, as it says in this verse, um, stand in the judgment, or we're not. And um, just looking through the Bible, a, a few different verses will tell us that um, in reality, none of us are righteous enough on our own merit to stand. If we fall short of God's standard, which as we know is perfection and sinlessness, we're not righteous enough to stand in the judgment. And just on that alone, on our own merit, we'd be considered to be among the chaff rather than the righteous. Um, it reminded me of a, a phrase in Daniel 5 and 27. It's the story of Belshazzar. Um, when the, the words are written on, on the wall um, with a hand, it says the word tekel is written. And it's, of, it's speaking about Belshazzar and it says, and it means you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. I think that's such a, um, a stark thing for us to consider. Um, perhaps if our, our deeds were weighed up, we might think, oh, we've done all right. But we know that um, in reality, we would be considered in that way as well. Our, our, things, our deeds would be weighed on the scales and we'd be found wanting. But thankfully, as we know, we're not reliant on our own good works or our own avoidance of sin, but rather God's gift of salvation, which we've been um, thinking about and enjoying this morning, means that we can put on the righteousness of Christ. So when we read these words, we say the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. We can, um, we can realise that these things should apply to us based on our, um, our good deeds and our sin. We should be among those who would not stand in the judgment. But we can be thankful and we can praise God that because of the blood of the Son, um, we're covered and we we walk into God's presence, not on our own righteousness, but on, on the righteousness of Jesus.
So that's just something for us, um, a happy note for us to finish on, isn't it? Um, after all the consideration of, of um, what it means to walk in step with the wicked or what it means to be righteous and the, the challenges that we have as Christians to, to try and walk in that way of righteousness, we know that ultimately on that day of judgment, um, we don't stand or fall based on our own righteousness, but rather on the righteousness of God. So I think it's, an, it's a challenge for us um, to, to look at this example of the tree and to, to ask ourselves, are we meditating on God's word as we should? Are we enjoying it as we should? Um, are we taking those steps to avoid being caught up in the things of the world or to, to dwell in sin or even to put our, our roots into sin? Um, and rather, are we, are we going after the things of God and are we seeking to be like that tree which is consistent, rooted in God's things and fruitful and uh, useful and valuable for God? <coughs> Should we pray?